Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. It's another edition of Cover Your Assets KC. Walter Sorholt here alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors. Today we're going to be talking about retirement rules of thumb, some of the most popular ones and whether or not you should follow these rules, or if you kind of need to just throw these out, or do we just need to tweak them a little bit? I imagine our answers will kind of just uh, vary along that spectrum. Looking forward to the conversation with David today. David, I hope you're doing well, my friend. I am doing pretty well. Still reliving that fun Thursday night football game I went to. I think I might have mentioned last week. I yeah, go I to Arrowhead to once a went. year. Yeah, once a year. And so, um, boy, without that last... Uh, final quarter of the pick six for 99 yards it wasn't looking all that good but somehow Chiefs got it done yep good old uh good old performance by the Chiefs hey uh, a win is a win in the NFL I think uh so I don't think you can ever complain about a win David you're not you're just not allowed no. to nobody was complaining on the way out of there I'll assure you of that That's and one against the Chargers all the better good uh good seats for the game they were pretty good seats uh most of the um it's really expensive and pretty hard to get really good seats if you just want to go to one game. Yeah, no kidding, right? But um, yeah, we did great. We had a tailgate of eh, probably twenty people, and so it was a it was just a nice, fun time. Well, that is pretty fun. Yeah, when whenever you do a sporting event and you add a tailgate experience onto it, it just makes <laughs> it that much better. So. It's kind of a Kansas City thing. It's definitely a Kansas City thing. I know Absolutely, it's Absolutely. done in a lot of places. Yep, uh, enjoying tailgating should be pretty universal, I would think, across the board. Uh, well, glad you had a great time. Glad the Chiefs won. And uh, let's get to a great show for today. Now, these rules of thumb that we're going to cover, I bet some of our listeners have heard these rules before. I mean, gosh, if they've listened to this show for years and years, David, I know we've at least touched on one or two of these over the course of the years. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe all. Or maybe <laughs> all of them. At one point or another. But maybe not all together in one episode. So that might be Absolutely not. That's right. That's yeah. why we're lumping them together here. Exactly. So, And I know we have lots of new listeners to the show who want to uh, maybe not have that, uh, maybe they don't have that past experience, so they'll get to catch up with us on today's show. Uh, so now, you're, depending on who you listen to, some of these rules, if you don't follow them, you might be called crazy, but we're not afraid of that, David, so we're going to dive into these rules and really see if they lead us to good financial guidance or if we follow these things blindly, if they have the chance of leading us astray. You ready to rock and roll? I think I'm ready. Okay. I'll start you off with an easy one, all right? Uh, and we've got six rules of thumb we're going to talk about on the show today. The first one is the rule of 100. This this might be the one that a lot of people have heard of before. Yeah, so so this one's pretty simple. And it's, a, uh, in fact, all of these, as we go through them, a rule of thumb is, is something that you might generally be, use as your starting point for figuring out your path to where we're trying to get. So the rule of 100 is basically, is is just this. Take 100 minus your age, and that's the amount of stock market risks you should be taking. So, for instance, in, at, at age 30, well, the rule says you ought to have about 70% of your money in stocks. So that's based on you've got a lot of years to retirement. You're going to dollar cost average probably every two weeks into your 401k. Your 401k is probably kind of out of sight, out of mind. So when the market's going down, you have this general bad feeling, but eh, you don't know how bad you feel. Usually in your 30s, the amounts that you're investing are pretty small, and your risk tolerance tends to be higher than as you age. So that's when you're 30. If you're 65, then the rule of 100 would imply that you should have 35% of your money in stocks. 
Now, that is a little bit light in most of my clients' portfolios, but all a lot of it depends on your personal risk tolerance. So the theory here is you're in retirement. You're not getting any more paychecks. So the money you have is pretty much the money you're going to have except for growth or withdrawals. A 30% downturn in the market is way more concerning to most people when they're in retirement. And at that point, you're reverse dollar cost averaging. In other words, as the market goes down, a lot of times you're taking money out of these accounts, not adding money to them. So I think the rule of 100 is a really, really good place to start and then identify how does that fit into the size of your nest egg, the amount of years you plan to fund your living expenses with that nest egg, and what your general risk tolerance is. Pretty good breakdown of that one, and I like what you said. Rules of thumb are supposed to be simple, so that's why we'll try to break these down in the simplest way. But I know some of them will get more complex if we kind of disagree with following these particular rules blindly, because that's where we get into some of the the nuances and the the reasons why you might uh, go against the grain a little bit with some of these rules. So there you go. Easiest one to start off with, that rule of 100. Simple subtraction. Others of these, uh, some of these other rules we got to do with percentages. So, you know, we go up a grade level for percentages uh, here, David. Uh, That's the case with our next one. You may hear this one positioned as the 75% rule. Uh, but some also call this the 80% rule. Maybe, maybe that's just a uh, depending on what part of the country you live in, David. Yeah, so this one just refers to how much of your, your, re- your working income that you'll need or want in retirement. So, and this oftentimes comes true for people. They need like about 70, 75% of what they were making when they were working in retirement. So, I mean, the first thing that you're not doing in retirement is you're not making 401k contributions anymore. And if you're contributing maybe 15 or 20 or 25% of your income, well, that's almost your 75% right there. You might need fewer work clothes. uh, You might have lower commuting costs. But a whole lot of my clients have higher travel and leisure expenses, especially early on in retirement. They spend way more on grandkids because they're spending more time with them. So this is a this is a kind of a nice soft rule, but it it absolutely doesn't replace having a written plan, an expense plan in place, especially if things look a little bit tight for you and that you might run out of money. Maybe you're getting to be 60, you're five, six, seven years away from retirement, and you're not convinced you save enough money, then this is probably too broad of a rule of thumb for you. You should actually take the time to get a really good plan in place to make sure that you know you're not going to run out of money. I want to reiterate that. Maybe uh, maybe if you, you know, this is too broad for you, that could be the case for a lot of these. Keep that in mind as we work through these different rules of thumb. So that's the 75 or 80% rule. What about the rule of 72? This one you can't really argue with, right? This is just math. Exactly. It's just math, but I find it really useful in a couple of different situations. I'll describe one here in just a minute. But it's really the the mathematical way to figure out how long will it it take for something to double. Maybe that's your, your 401k, or maybe that is expenses. And so what I use it mostly in in my world here is when I'm talking to clients about inflation and their expenses in retirement. So for instance, if we want to project that inflation is going to run at about 3% a year, then dividing 72 by 3, we'll know that the stuff I buy is going to be double the price in about 24 years. 
So if you're talking to a 64-year-old person, by the time they're 88 years old, they're going to need twice as much money every month as they do now just because of inflation. The more frequent time I use that is with healthcare or long-term care costs. So let's say that those aren't going to increase at 2 or 3%. They're going to increase faster, like at 5%. So what that means is 72 divided by 5, that's 14 and a half years. So those things, which tend to worry people a lot more, will double. So if you're age 65 and doing this calculation, those expenses will double by the time you're 80 if they grow at 5% a year. And it's, you know, pretty widely known that long-term care in Kansas, Missouri, here in the Midwest costs 80 or 90 grand a year. Well, in that doubling period, that means it's 160 or 180 grand a year. So as you're planning for that, making sure uh, whether you're comfortable self-insuring against that or whether you're taking steps to actually insure against long-term care expenses. The inflation factor is super important, and the rule of 72 can come in real helpful there. Again, that's the rule of 72. By the way, if you have any questions or want some further explanation or discussion about any of these rules, you can always reach out to David at CoverYourAssetsKC.com or call 913-317-1414. And that contact info is in the description of today's show. We also have the rule of five. This one's really interesting, David. What about that? Yeah, well, so the, the the rule in in uh, quotation marks of five basically says that on average we experience a bear market every five years. Now, as a young person in this business, I learned and remembered the phrase that if my head is in the oven and my feet are in the freezer, then on average I'm okay. I love well, that. I haven't heard that before, David. I like that. <laughs> what you can twist. I mean, these, so this, this one I think is particularly amusing. I did go back and look at, at some numbers. 15 times since 1903, including the one we're in today, we've had a bear market. 15 times in 120 years. That's way less than once every five years. So the rule of five, you can, it gets pretty soft right there. And it doesn't include the number of 19% drops that we've had in the past just 20 years. So a bear market, everybody that listens to this podcast knows, is called when the market, let's call it the S&P 500, is down 20% from its peak. So 15 times since since 1903. But, but I also looked at something else that said 25 calendar years since 1928, we've had a 20% or more maximum drawdown during that year. Now that is way more of a of a statistic I like and can use with my clients because w- when the market's down 15 or 12, 15, 18%, people really start to get nervous. Is this going to turn into 2008, 2001, heaven forbid, 1929? And so a really helpful, another statistic here is that there have been no years since 1928 where the market hasn't at least gone down some. So every year, if you have money in the stock market, you just have to be sure, you have to be telling yourself, the market's going to go down at some point during this year. And the median max drawdown since 1928 annually has been 13%. So the takeaway for me is, first of all, this is, this is a, a really soft 
rule of five. But the big takeaway is that when you have money in the market, and the vast majority of us do, because you're trying to gain more by adding on some risk, you have to expect volatility. The average drawdown, the, the median drawdown over the last 100 years has been 13% a year. So you have to expect volatility, and you have to know your personal risk tolerance because when the market is down 10, 12, 15%, you have to know that that kind of volatility fits into your, your expectations and your plan such that it's not going to leave you in a really bad spot if the market continues on down from there. Great breakdown of that one. And uh, again, I just love the uh, that image of head in the freezer, feet in the oven. You're okay. You're, you're, you're averaging out there. Um, and you can even flip it around and you'd be just as fine, right? <laughs> you'd be direction. equally as fine. <laughs> equally as not fine. <laughs> That's right. Well, if you did it, if you did it fast enough, maybe you could get things to cancel out a little bit, David. I don't know. I'm not putting my head in too many ovens, I'll tell you that. We won't experiment with that. Uh, that's the rule of five. Great breakdown there. What about the rule of, uh, we'll just double it. We'll call it the rule of 10 is the next one. How about that one? <laughs> yeah, so this gets kicked around a lot. It's that you ought to have 10 times your, your salary saved for retirement by age 67. And that's a perfectly nice rule of thumb. There's other rules of thumb you can Google for when you're 30s. How much should I have saved in my 30s or my 40s or my 50s? And this is a perfectly fine rule. I tend to look at, say, the last five years of work. Let's say that somebody's last five years of work, they averaged $200,000 of income. Well, then they ought to have $2 million saved for retirement by the time they're 67 and ready to retire. The old saying that comes in real handy here is, it's not how much you make, but it's how much you spend. And how much you spend determines how much you save. So if, if you expect, if you plan to, let's say you live a modest lifestyle and you continue to expect to continue to live a modest style in, in uh, retirement, well, then you may do perfectly great with five or eight times your salary saved. Maybe you have a nice, big, juicy pension, or maybe you and your spouse each have a pension, and you got a couple of Social Security checks coming in too. I have clients that get to age 72 when required distributions start, and they have never had to take money out of the money they've saved up for retirement. I have other clients that the month after they retire, they've started pulling money out of these accounts because they don't have a pension and their social security is not enough to cover their retirement expenses. So this one is almost meaningless to me. If you were relying on this and you don't have a good plan, then you're gonna be pretty uncomfortable uh, your first six months or one year into retirement. Uncomfortable is not where we want to be, David, as we go into retirement. It's definitely not what you want to be once you've uh, eliminated paychecks from your future. Not a good spot at all. All right, so there you have it, the rule of 10. And we get to the big one at the end here, David, the 4% rule. And kind of like that rule of 100 that we started with, this may be the other one that's really well-known among a lot of people, even the first time they come in to meet with you. At least a, at least a chunk of folks, I think, have heard of that one. Yeah, it's pretty widely known. All this says is that if you want to have a very high probability of never running out of money, that you shouldn't take more than, when you start in retirement, you should feel comfortable taking 4% of your nest egg out that year. And then each subsequent year, you can take a little bit of a cost of living increase. And if you do that 
through your late 80s, early 90s, uh, you have a very high probability of not running out of money. So for instance, let's say that you've saved a million bucks for retirement. What the 4% rule says is that you can take only $40,000 out of that account your first year of retirement. Maybe you and your spouse combined to 50 grand of social security. So that's $90,000 a year, but you got to pay some taxes uh, to the Fed. Let's just call that an average tax rate of 10%. So you're sending that to the IRS and maybe 5% to your state. So that leaves you with not 90,000 a year of spending, but only 76,500 bucks. So about six, almost 6,400 bucks a month to live on. And if you say, well, I have to have way more than that out of my nest egg. After all, I saved a million bucks and you're saying I can only take $40,000 out of it. Well, so that's when you ought to have a really good plan or a really good planner and advisor uh, because violating that 4% rule in a super low interest rate environment that we have with the occasional drawdown of say 13% a year or the occasional bear market that happens every 10 years, that's when you're going to want to make sure that you have a really good strategy for when, for when markets kind of come off the rails for six months or two years at a time. Uh, but this is a really good starting point, uh, rule of thumb for how much you can take out of your portfolio each year in retirement without running out of money. So this one's widely used in my business. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a blunt tool, but it's a really good starting place for making that calculation. Uh, it's very helpful, David, to get the breakdown of these various rules of thumb. Uh, to kind of put a bow on the conversation today, how often are people following these rules? Are you having to set the record straight when folks come in to meet with you? Are you, are you dealing with more blank slates when folks come in? You're not having to like unlearn some of these things that people have based their plans on. What's, uh, what's most common uh, in the folks that you work with? Most common for the people that I work with, they've, they've heard of these rules, but most have been really involved in their career. What they've been doing is trying to save really hard for retirement. And so they haven't necessarily paid a bunch of attention to these rules. The rule they've paid most attention to, which I love, is make sure you save at least 10% of what you earn in some sort of retirement account that is going to help you pay your own retirement paycheck going forward. Start with 10% and hopefully increase that percentage as you get further through your working years. And a whole, if you do that and you keep your expenses in check, a whole lot of these things will be taken care of by following that rule, um, which I guess that's, a, that's the rule I would add to the end. Uh, but that's that's really, most of my clients have done a really good job of saving for retirement. They don't have a good picture for how they set up retirement income and whether or not they've saved enough. And so these rules are likely, most of these are good rules of thumb as you're going through your working years, but they're not really going to help you once you get to the end of the road. You're cutting off your paycheck. What do you do now? 
Again, great breakdown of these rules, David. And if you have more questions about this, if you'd like to go through a complete planning review, that's the CPR process that David takes clients through to look deep into your financial plan, determine the best moves moving forward so that you can retire with more confidence. The number to call is 913-317-1414. You can schedule time to visit, come in and have that conversation about your plan and get some customized guidance for your financial future. You can also go to CoverYourAssetsKC.com. That's CoverYourAssetsKC.com. And for any contact info, you can just check the description of today's show, and we'll lead you to the right place where you can get in touch with David. And uh, we really appreciate the help, David. Glad the Chiefs won uh, at the game that you got to attend. And uh, here's to a good rest of the season for them. And I know we'll have another great uh, podcast topic coming up next time. I'm looking forward to next week, Walter. Thanks. All right. We appreciate it. New episodes every week. Come back and join us for another one right here on Cover Your Assets KC. Thanks so much for listening. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.